May God's abundant and living and loving grace be yours today through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Redeemer, and that he would continue to, during this time of Epiphany, open our hearts and minds that his uh, light shines through us. I'm just going to go ahead for a moment and just take the time just because we do have a lot of prayers, and I'd rather not, in this case today, go through all of the prayers at that time. But I'd like just to remind you of those families that you can be praying for during the season of Epiphany. I mentioned uh, the family of Urban Metz, uh, Eunice in particular, as we see you here today with uh, some of your family members that are uh, here for another day. Glad that you can be here. We pray for you. Uh, we think about and pray for certainly the Agri family, as I see Louis back there with some of his family and uh, uh, more recent uh, time and funeral for certainly you guys and just uh, a memorial service and God blessing uh, your hearts through that as well. Uh, we have the uh, Celia Sheffield family uh, as we had that service this last Thursday as well. And uh, that came uh, in a sense rather quickly, but we also know that the Lord had been uh, carrying her through many, many things and times. Uh, Ray Cassiano service, which is today at 2. You may have noticed that there was also notes on the internet that there will be a service in Corpus Christi next week on Sunday, as well as a burial in Corpus on Monday. And so we pray for Dee, uh, the grandchildren, and the extended family there as well. Uh, we have the Hanlor Heinemann service coming up the end of this month uh, for Gunther and for the family. It was a long six-year uh, trail and journey. Uh, we certainly pray for all of them that God continues to, to watch over them. And then the family of Steve Roberts, some of you know probably best, uh, Stephanie Wells. This was her father. And so as the Lord continues to, to comfort them. At the same time, I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Gerald McMillan and Ruth Wacker, uh, God being with them. We never know the time and day, but uh, we know that God has that in his hands, and we pray for them for that right timing. We've rejoiced, and I can tell she's probably not coming today because I see Joel Trollope here. That she's been coming to late and kind of amazing us as Judy. So we just pray that the Lord continues to give her the spirit that she has and have enjoyed and appreciated that. And uh, don't know what that means in terms of long years or long weeks or long months. or I don't know, but it's been great to have Judy as a part of our worshiping community again. Uh, Mark Scheele, who you don't get to see, Diane sitting back there. Uh, this is her son, who's a member of Crown of Life in San Antonio, but we've been praying for him for quite a while. Uh, we had a note come in for Tom White because of heart issues, and they didn't find the worst stuff, but they're still trying to figure out what's going on with him. And then uh, we had a note come in on behalf of Dylan King, who's Laura Ferone's son, but it was really what you and I have been seeing, and we want to lift up today, too, all the activity in the Middle East. We know that's always a powder keg uh, and has all kinds of opinions and things, but we do know that there are those who are putting their lives on the line, and we pray for them. And the last one is, uh, I think, a way that we express and we'll talk about today in terms of uh, seeing the world, and apologize for the children's message prayer. I had it in my head, just didn't want to come out, but having really good resurrection eyes or worldly eyes because uh, we have a, a baby that's down there who's meningitis, and this came to us through uh, mops and other uh, people who are friends through resurrection who connected in case. In fact, 
My first note on uh, Jolie Royker uh, actually came from Singapore because the Stackmans are living there, and Jenny reached out and said, uh, can we pray for our friends? And so we've had a great outpouring of love from resurrection to a family who had yet, yet found a church home, and yet this home has wrapped around them at Texas Children's Hospital. And as always, I appreciate uh, God's expression of love uh, that pours out so freely to those who are in need. And as a reminder to us as we go into today, what we are looking at in terms of really this uh, God's light that shines through us. And I know as a congregation, even though not all the people I mentioned touches all of you, I think you sense in our community there's been quite a shift just uh, for uh, a church that has three funerals a year and we've suddenly had around six deaths and some others that could be one or two more uh, in the immediate future. It reminds us of the importance and the magnitude of this event called Christmas. And you might ask yourself the question, why in the world as we look at Matthew 2 and we have these people from the east showing up, why does God, as he picks and chooses those pieces that we need to know? Because if you think about it, you can remember in John 20 it says, and there are so many more things that could be written about Jesus Christ, but these things are written that you might know that Jesus is the Christ and in him have life in his name. And I think we could rub that over the whole set of gospel lessons and recognize that this is... And we know that it's not only books of history, but they are historical documents with a purpose that bring something to us so that we have a value in our lives in terms of what he has called us to be as the church. So why, of things that were going on in the days of Jesus, do we have this grouping? And in fact, it's not just our text today, but if you think back to what Kevin read a few moments ago from Isaiah, and what he had in the Psalms, that this has been a big deal reminding God's people for generation after generation that God's light shines elsewhere. Why? Now we could look at the text in the history of Israel and we could say, well, the obvious reason for them was that they really never became what God had called them to be. In, in Genesis 12, 1 to 2, God calls Abraham and in the midst of all the promises he makes there, he says, and you and your seed will be a blessing to the whole world. The, the vision that God gave Abraham is that through his family, the whole world would be blessed. This continued calling came back over and over and over that Israel had been called to be a blessing to the whole world, to be a light. And you might say, well, pastor, there was a lot of warring. There was. They certainly, if you want to take the war on, he on earth from heaven, there certainly was that going on in terms of Satan fighting against God's people. But that did not mean they were to be isolated, but to that world bring the love of God the promises of God. And yet what we find is they became more and more inwardly focused to the point, in a sense, the Christmas story could wrap together that if they were looking, even if they were looking for a Savior, because at that time their interest was freedom from the Romans, not the promise and purpose of God, that it was just about 
self. And that can be a danger for the Christian community at Christmas as well. It's such a lovely, beautiful, wonderful story. God's history, and yet we can become about ourselves. And frankly, the church always is, always is bending toward that because we always ask that question, what about me? What about us? And there's always a pull, it appears, to pull us out of ourselves. We love, you know, in terms of our own missional mouth, uh, map, uh, our missional map, which is celebrate, that closeness to God. Okay, got that going here, that celebrate, that gathering of the Christian family, our cultivate, all wonderful and good. But connect, do we really think about or care about a world that is perishing, when we have those who've perished in our midst with Jesus, do we think about an eternity without Jesus? So enter in, again, these wise men, these sages, these men from afar. What did it take to get them here? And this is, I believe, the amazing backstory, if you think about it, is for them to come and you probably think about this all the time and recognize this, but for them to come meant as they were living and going about life, no one handed to them a script and said, oh, we need to take a trip because we're going to be these wonderful people espoused for generations. They were doing their life, which was as astronomers, a great interest in the sky, a great interest in normally trying to find what the sky meant for their very being and their living and to somehow tell them about life. Not because they believed in a God, but, but they believed somehow these stars directed and controlled who they were. And yet they find something that had not been seen. They find something that puzzles them. So much so that they go outside of their maps, they go outside of their religious values, they go outside of themselves, and they find some, if you will, Old Testament Christians, those who knew the scriptures of God, and they said, we're just trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure out how long it took them to finally go to the Jews and say, I don't know, you got some help for me? And amongst them there were those, because this happens too, when you go to people of God and you say what the Scripture is saying, people go, I don't know, I don't read them. Or the pastor's in charge of knowing that for me. Or, you know, I've got church once a week, I don't have time in between to read or a Bible class to go to, I can't do that. The fact they knew and shared in, in such an engaging way, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that engagement because somehow what was not only in the text of what they heard about, but in the voices of those, and maybe it was this, perhaps it was the fact that they were separated, perhaps it was that they were isolated, that there was a greater heart passion for the fact that they were missing the aspect of being where God is worshipped and with the people of God and feeling that there, they leaned into the Word of God. And if I was going to just take a short side trip here for a moment, is that not where we're at today too when things seem chaotic and we're going, what in the world? What? And we try and figure out the world around us and what's happening and what's failing is what do you lean on? And I would say we should follow the role of those people who were, frankly, probably near what's today Baghdad in that region. 
they leaned into the Word of God. And in that, these three, 20, pick up and go. In Isaiah, you know, when it talks about that, it says, lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then they shall see and be radiant. Even talks about here at the latter part, a multitude of camels shall cover you, and they shall bring gold and frankincense, and they also bring good news, good news, the praises of the Lord. They're experiencing what God's word has said, and they bring that with them. This is the expression of, if you will, global eyes, global and worldly eyes that God still has, and in a sense is saying to Israel at this point, you don't matter by just yourself. It's not all about you. And if he would look at us today, he would also say, it's not all about you. And we might nod our heads, but frankly, you and I easily become consumers of Christianity. We become consumers of church. We come, con become consumers of what's in it for me. And we do not look at what God has us connected to that word for and why. When you think of missions, what do you think about? If you grew up in my age, missions was this. You, you sent money. Or occasionally, kind of another intermediary besides just making it a part of the church budget, we also had missionaries come and share. And I have wonderful stories of people I met throughout the world who told stories about what they did, and we sent money. We sent them to do our work. Now, I'm not saying that was wrong, but I wonder if we really have fully engaged to understand that God has created us to be global missionaries. That from the very outside to the very nearby, we are the missionaries of God. We are the global expressions of this light that shines, that God has called us. Could it be that we are those who've been called globally right next door? Are you like me? We're kind of a little bit, you know, homogeneous. I can't even say homogenous today. Homogenous here, we look a little bit the same. Thank God we have a few of you that stir the pot. But living around me, that's not so true. The world has come to us. Do we hide from the world or do we engage the world? Personally, I've found, and this has been a challenge to kind of work through this personally, because when we moved to the new house, um, February or yeah, February first. About pretty much Super Bowl weekend 2017, we had these ideas about being somewhat knit into that neighborhood. And for all of our good intentions and in talking about that, by the time Hurricane Harvey pushed us out of the house, we did not know many people. Now, we met a whole bunch in a very short and thank you again for being those, many of you who went house to house because they knew 
resurrection. But then we were stranded from there for, you know, nine months. Things are happening, we come back, and we're still having to reintroduce ourselves to our neighbors. Now, I would like to say that everybody in our neighborhood is at our house every night of the week. We are breaking open wine bottles and German beer, and it is a party that Jesus would want to join. Nope. But somehow, even in our we're too busy, we're so much this, we have this because we have church and we have this and that. God's been opening doors that I can't explain. And sometimes the smallest things that we've done, which actually makes me feel guilty like we've done nothing, are brought back to us, not as what little have you done, but oh my goodness! And some have expressed it in this way, and you're Christian, that it's a shock. Or, I love this one, you're fun Christians. I didn't know any non-fun Christians. So it's slow. And it's just little things. But it's been somewhat for us just having eyes that somehow look out the door, somehow go knock on the door with something, somehow recognize just the smallest little things and realizing that the eyes of the world is to not just think about ourself. And you've had stories this way too, little things, people that you've connected. Our connection down to Texas Children's Hospital is a congregation right now. Thank God. They may never be a part of resurrection. Who cares? Well, I mean, God cares, but God cares about where they are in him, not with us. And you say, well, then why, if we have global eyes, do we do anything here? It's because, by the way, we behind India and China are the third largest mission site in the world in terms of people who don't know Jesus. Behind China and India is North America. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has shone around you. Epiphany is where God now takes us, where we are, and he calls us out. And so in this Christmas narrative, it takes us all the way back to what God called Abraham and said, I want your seed to affect and impact the world. It brought those who were isolated and apart to share from their hearts what God would do, and it sent those who were far away from God, not just in distance, but in heart. And these wise men who came were passionate. They were seekers. They were looking, and they may even believe, but for the wrong reasons, because they believed the stars directed them versus the real star of this whole thing was Jesus Christ himself. What our lesson for this has to be this resurrection. It's not all about us. If we believe, like many churches do and many individuals do, that we just take care of ourselves and that's enough, we have missed what God has done today in our text and we've missed the eyes of God on the world. If we believe that, we don't realize that we're a part of God's plan and it's the very smallest of things that goes on, God himself can and will do. 
We can run, but you can't hide. Some people may feel that you know, they had nothing to add as they were not running, but they were taken away. But you couldn't hide from what God was doing. And you might as well join what God is doing rather than hide for us to open up. Now, I am thrilled that today we have those who are the core group are starting at Lazarus. I am thrilled that today there are members of our congregation here who are not in that core group who are over there today helping to launch that site. That out of these things would continue to be churches that grow up that we reach fifties, hundreds, thousands by planting in different places that may be so close, but you and I both know are so far. And that there are people who live there who need to know of Jesus. I'm thrilled that we continue to have mission teams that go into the world and share the gospel as we bring mobility, that we share with orphans and take care of those who are most vulnerable. I'm glad that we see ourselves also not just living so far out there that we miss what's happening right here, that we care for our community around us and that people do see resurrection as a leader in this area, that if there's a need, they know who to call because this is truly a church that cares not just about itself, but about them too. You know, it's not about us, but in some ways it's all about us. It's all about the fact that Jesus loved you. It is all about the fact that he wanted you. It is all about that he saw you. Not just to use you in the future, but to utilize who you were and make him a part of his salvation, make him you a part of the equation of what will change lives, to make you a part of what he does. We want to see that God is proclaiming his love and grace and that we find where the needs are and reach them. You know, it's kind of interesting. I read this here recently where someone said this is that he said, when I believe that the gospel is always a proclamation about God's actions, effective witnessing involves a lot of listening. For a proclamation to be good news for someone, it has to address their needs, their questions, their concerns. He says, this is a statement that I heard and I want to quote back again. He says, you don't throw a drowning person a sandwich no matter how good the sandwich might be. We're not here to throw sandwiches no matter how good they may be. But to let God's light shine into the darkness and the corners and the parts of our lives and the lives of those that God has called us to see. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for in your Son we have life, and to bring about these wise men to come from afar, it takes us and challenges us. If you invite us to the uh, manger to come and see and come and know, it's through these wise men sent that you remind us that we go out with a purpose. We pray, Lord, that uh, in that purpose, uh, you would continue to strengthen us, that we would know that we are truly sent, that we can rejoice with Lazarus today, but all, not only Lazarus, but all the other, uh, with the dwelling and the other churches that are planting and popping up, 
that uh, our meager efforts and uh, ability to do that is just simply blessed beyond means by you, and thank you for that, that we can observe and see and watch your light shine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise.